1: Good morning, everybody. Sorry we're a bit late. That's my fault. We're in school holiday mode in this house. Now, what a wonderful day it is to be a woman. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by Britain's longest serving political reporter, Nigel Nelson, who writes for both the Sunday Mirror and the Sunday People. Morning, Nigel. Thank you for joining us on your day off. Morning, Susie all smart as well well that's that's absolute dedication to the cause for you now this is the people's pay-per-view so get into the comments ask us your questions we'll do our best to answer them for you those of you listening later on podcast you're just going to have to roar at the germans instead so what have we got today well Surprise, surprise. The mirror has splashed on the amazing 2-1 victory last night of England's ladies football team over Germany in the European Championship Finals. A feat so great that it is the nation's first major football win in, wait for it, 56 years. Now, Emma Toon and Chloe Kelly scored the winners, the last one in extra time. No penalties were needed. (laughs) And here's a clip of what happened in the post-match press conference. (laughs) that's brilliant um now all of this of course was followed by scenes of drunken violence and xenophobia no hang on wait a minute it wasn't in fact there were loads of children parents who felt their children were safe a, a press conference there where someone was someone's jumping on the desk Uh, celebrating and no one is worrying about what's going to happen to the desk nobody smashed the place up or had a fight with the busies afterwards Nigel Chloe Kelly is I hope about to land a major sponsorship deal for sports bras because she whipped her top off in a goal celebration and ran around the pitch but showing it off and Nigel, this isn't just a sporting win, is it? It's a it's a hope of triumph over adversity, peace over conflict. Dare I even say it's real sportsmanship over willy waving? What would you yeah, say? Yeah, I think
0: so. Um, I mean, I'm old enough to to have watched the the men triumph in the 1966 World Cup. And the fact that we, that the women did this over Germany, did it at Wembley, did it in front of the, the Queen's grandson, feels like sort of history coming full circle. And as you say, you know, the first time we've triumphed at a major tournament in 56 years, which is a huge gap. And obviously this is going to be a, a major boost for, for women's football. I think the, the, the most interesting thing there is that what you've just seen seen is how commercially viable it is. 20 million people watching on TV, um, a sellout Wembley Stadium. So in a sense that because football is such big business, you'll find an awful lot of money is going to go in the, into the sport and absolutely
1: revolutionise it. Well, this has been the argument against women's football for so long, isn't it? It was just that, well, look, the women they just don't get the gate. They don't get the sponsorship, so I mean, you know, no one's really interested in the game. It's not as violent. So you're not going to get the money in it. So what's the point in putting the money in? And then, of course, in the past few years, we've had since the Olympics, really, more money going into grassroots, more of this professionalisation of the women's game. And look what happens. The gate <laughs> appears 90,000 people at Wembley
0: exactly which which shows it can be done i mean you know looking back at 1966 the idea of of women playing top class football it just never entered anyone's head and that just shows how much has changed in more than half a century but yes you're absolutely right that what we're going to see is that um, it is now going to be big business Um, a lot more money is going to come in you'll find politicians getting on the back of it because politicians always love to be on the back of a success and as a result of that you'll find new policies there to encourage uh, uh, more girls to get into school sport more girls getting into football so all this is actually genuinely a real game changer
1: yeah fingers crossed now get into the comments everybody tell us what you think were you watching the match last night do you think it means anything new or different or brilliant would you rather see a men's game would you rather see a women's game does it not matter uh, How have your little boys or little girls reacted to the news that broke overnight so today We've got 7,000 fans expected to descend on Trafalgar Square for what is going to be a government-sponsored and paid-for celebration of the match victory. I suppose the question for you, Nigel, it's more in your area of expertise, is what the politicians are actually going to do about this. Because, like you say, they, they like to hook themselves onto something successful that makes them look more successful and it's exploitative and all the rest of it. And Liz Truss and Keir Starmer were both at the match last night, both tweeted about it afterwards. Rishi Sunak was watching in a pub in Exeter where he's preparing for tonight's Tory hustings for the leadership. He had some ready made policy announcements to tweet as well soon afterwards it's such an amazing moment in british sport they're all going to try to ride this wave what do you think how much of that is going to be meaningful
0: I well, I think that, that you really come down to to two things. There, it's the the grassroots level and also the school level. So, I do think you are going to find uh, that sport is going is going to go up in the uh, as far as the curriculum goes when it comes to schools, and you should get some more money in the gra- in the grassroots. Now, um, the MP Tracy Crouch, former sports minister, she's been campaigning for this kind of thing for ages something like like yesterday evening means that it can become a reality so yes i think that it doesn't matter really which party is in government i think you will get more support on the basis of this at those two levels
1: mm, that would be handy wouldn't it my little girl who's six announced today that she's very good at football but she's not allowed to play it at school um there is a football team for her school it's boys only uh, I'm hoping that when they start again in, in September, the head teacher will go, I oh, know, let's have some girls football. They don't even get to play it in PE, Nigel. In fact, this she said the only time she got to play any football at school was on sports day where they all had to line up and take a shot at goal. and Boys and girls did the same. Now Ron says, I hope to see the day that the girls earn as much as the boys do. That would be nice. For just in every walk of life. Ron, not just football. Um, Karen says this is fantastic. We need to pay them the same as men. It's an amazing team. There's a bit of a theme developing here. So like you said, Nige, a lot of the professionalisation of the women's game, it came about because of 2012, the Olympics. Uh, and the various sports ministers we've had, Tracy, did an amazing job when she was a Tory sports minister. But it takes this investment to make the game then happen, create the right environment. So the crowds and the supporters are plainly there. They will be in even greater numbers after this. I mean, you've said obviously they're going to have to do something about it, but... Are, do you think it's going to get to the point where women are going to start getting the same match bonuses as the men? Because I think the England women get about twenty grand for a match bonus, whereas the men it's about quarter of a million.
0: Well, again, that'll that'll be be a question of demand, won't it? And w- what we've seen is well, the women are
1: demanding it, Nigel.
0: But there's, certainly, there's certainly an appetite for it. I was thinking, of course, of economic demand. What I do think is going to happen is that in a couple of, t- of years' time, your daughter will be, play- will be playing football properly at school, because what you're talking about there is a complete change of attitude. The idea that that girls don't play football, well, that's got out the window. So as a result, you'll find you'll find that schools will be changing. That it will start to happen. Um, and yes, the question comes down to to how much investment comes in from uh, from Whitehall to enable that to happen. When it comes to the money side of it, I'm sure that we are going to get to the stage where there will be equality in pay. But again, that's more a business kind of thing than something that the government can actually legislate for. So uh, we have seen something that's changed everything because of yesterday. And certainly women now, I mean, certainly you know, this 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 England team is as famous now as any men's team and as much loved by the country.
1: Exactly. But um, when you said earlier on, I keep asking before we go into the next bit. So get into comments, everybody. Tell us what you think. Lorna says equal pay for women's football. Uh, yeah, but you're a woman, Lorna, so you're obviously biased. Um, there seems to be a lot of opinion that the, the women should be paid the same as the men. Uh, get into the comments. Ask, tell us what you think. Do you do you, are your little girls playing football at school? Is mine an outlier? Do yours have the same problems? Let us know. And one of the things you said earlier on, Nigel about how it was um, never expected that women shouldn't, shouldn't play football. And it was just, it was an odd thing. that has got out the window. Well, my great-grandmother has dialled in from beyond the grave and she's informed me uh, and via Google that um, women's football, of course, was very, very popular in this country in the early 20th century. So what happened was when uh, men's football got cancelled because of the First World War, between 1914, 1920, about that time, um they actually sort of started having women's football. And the purpose of it was to raise money for the war wounded, right? So that the wives and girls, we'll play a little bit of kickabout and we'll raise some money for charity for the men, right? And it got so popular, so popular, that by 1921, you had 50,000 on the gate. And because the war was over by that point, uh, the money that was being raised started to go towards things that the women thought were important and because these were working class women it was working class causes and they were a little bit socialist shall we say and so uh, it, people who were organizing all this didn't like it very much and in 1921 the football association which had spent about 30 years complaining about women's football the football association banned it and they said it wasn't suitable for women it wasn't the right thing that women should be doing. They said there was excessive costs. So implying that women took some of the money and that it wasn't charitable enough. So women weren't nice enough with their money uh, and it got banned. And that was it gone. And that's partly why you and I have grown and lots of our viewers have grown up in a country where there was no women's football. That's that's an
0: extraordinary extraordinary story. Um, I I didn't know all that. But of course, you're talking about a time also um, when women women didn't even have the vote. So um, an awful lot lot has changed since then. Uh, I don't know quite what, what would have happened in the interim that certainly in recent years, the FA has done quite a lot to actually support women's football. Uh, So it seems to be that we have this sort of misogynist attitude that that went on between the wars and just after, and that would appear to be changing.
1: Well, hopefully, unless the FA comes, you know, we had 50,000 on the gate. I think it was, um, I can't remember the name of the team now. I'm sorry, I'm not an expert on it yet. I will be later on when I write a column about this. I'm <laughs> not at the moment. Um, but there was 50,000 or so on the gate. I think it was Goodison Park for a major women's match. And then it was because it got so popular, the FA decided to ban it. That was At the wave, they banned it at the top of the wave, which is the astonishing thing. So perhaps, and left nothing has changed, of course, we'll be at about that point now. And uh, the FA may well act and say, oh, it's time to bad women's football again, Um, because they're just making too much money. They're too popular and they're showing us up for being a violent bunch of idiots. Now, Kenneth Wick says just a wonderful afternoon yesterday. They made the country smile. Maybe even they would make the men's team. Well, they could coach them a bit, teach them teach them how to play um or they could uh, maybe just teach some of the supporters perhaps how to behave a little bit of the match if it does or doesn't go your way there were Swedes yesterday Nigel according to the mirror today our reporter that was there who, who painted themselves in red and white to go to the match because they'd come for the semi-finals they kept they obviously had their their tickets and so on and they stayed on to watch England and cheered them on which I think is absolutely marvelous can you imagine that happening for the men
0: No, I can't. I know I read that this morning as well. Uh, And I thought, fabulous. I mean, given that the the women had defeated Sweden er earlier on, the fact that they came down on our side is
1: absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the whole thing is just refreshingly nice. It's about football rather than... You know, who the biggest bloke is sort of thing. Now, Ron, Ron's back. He says the psychology starts way before school. Attitudes need to change. The idea that girls get dolls and the boys get toy guns is a thing of the past. Adopting a more open, balanced way of thinking is vital to giving young girls opportunities they believe are actually in reach. You're quite right, Ron. And it's not until really I had a daughter that I realised how much pink there was in the world and that it got thrown at young children. But I've done my best with her. But unfortunately, when she comes home from school and she's talking about who said she can't do this or she can do that, the teachers are all fine, right, pretty much. It's the other boys and girls in her class that are, shall we say, less progressive than the adults are, and are saying to each other, you can't do that because you're a girl, or you have to do that because you're a boy. And that it's the children that... It seems to start with them somehow or they've managed to absorb it and we need to encourage them somehow. I don't know why. David says, well done to our lionesses. You've done the country proud. They've done marvellously, haven't they? Um, But we do need to move on to a couple of other stories. So um, I think what we need to talk about really is on page six. So the Tory leadership battle has been relegated to page six because of the lionesses, which was a blessing and a relief for all of us, probably, except you, Nigel. Uh, so you and all your Westminster bubble chums have seemed to have decided that Liz Truss here has this in the bag. She's slotted it home already. Rishi Sunak stuck in midfield, faking a knee injury or something, and going, uh uh and I can't, I can't go on anymore. Why? Why do you think... That why does it seem that Liz has won when the ballot papers have only landed on Tory membership doormats this morning?
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's me and my chums who are actually doing this that there is uh, a fair bit of polling evidence amongst the hundred and sixty thousand. Tory members who get a vote in this election uh, that they are siding with Liz Truss. I think it's quite a simple one. Cost of living is the is the biggie. Uh, Liz Truss is, is promising instant tax cuts. Um, I, I think that's, that, that's incredibly reckless with inflation going at the rate it is at the moment. But then Rishi Sunak, who's now getting a bit desperate, seems to be going the same way and being even more reckless. So this morning he's promising uh, that, that that the basic rate, rate income tax will drop to 16p by 2028. I don't know how he can possibly think he can actually work that one out on the basis that um, he says he can pay uh, pay for it through growth prediction figures. Well, we've just seen that anything can come out of the blue. We've had COVID, which wrecked any prediction. Uh, we've had the Ukraine war that came out of the blue as well. Um, uh, if we'd followed Bank of England predictions, inflation at the moment should be around about 2% rather than 9%. It is. Yes. So it's an extraordinary promise from Rishi Sunak, but I do think when it comes to Liz Truss, it is down really to this whole tax-cutting agenda. that uh, Tories absolutely love that. Uh, that It's terribly Thatcherite, which of course is what Liz Truss is modelling herself on. And that's why I think she's at the lead. So at the moment, it seems to me this is her race to lose. And the only way I can see that really happening is if she implodes along the way. Yes. It's probably a good idea that she doesn't um, uh, go and go and face um, uh, Andrew Neil or anything like that on TV. Yes. Uh, just sort of, you know, steady as she goes, and she should actually make it.
1: Doesn't want to talk too much in public, that sort of thing. Don't want to lose it now. But as far as Rishi Sunak's like growth predictions are concerned, I can predict. I can predict I'm going to earn £100,000 in five years' time. Doesn't mean I'm going to. Doesn't mean the editor's going to start paying me that, although it would be nice. Um, I can predict I could be a size 10 again in a few months. Doesn't mean that's going to happen because a cake might appear or a packet of biscuits. And then, you know, the whole my whole Boniface shrinking plan has gone out the window, hasn't it? So it's not that's not going to work. But it's part of this really... It seems to me that the Tory membership, the one thing they do seem very united on is that they all quite like Boris Johnson still. They very much like Boris Johnson still. And Rishi is seen as having brought him down, even though he wasn't the first to go. He's seen as the one who wielded the knife. Is part of it the fact that the membership wish they still had Boris, despite everything, and they blame Rishi for the fact that they don't, and that's why they're going for Liz?
0: well certainly a proportion of them do i'm a bit surprised about that because um i mean the reason that boris went is because Tory MPs going on the doorstep, especially during the local elections, were finding a huge amount of anger for what he, what he got up to on the basis of uh, party gate. Um, so the, that, um, I thought that that kind of anger would spread to the Tory membership, but certainly there is a big chunk of it which apparently is saying not. I mean, you've even got something like 15,000 Tory members who are talking about um, getting Boris Johnson back on the ballot paper. Obviously, totally impossible i mean this is you know it's a it's a done deal uh this prime minister is now toast there's no way he's going to be coming back but yes i think that there is a certain feeling that rishi sunak uh had planned all this he was the one who brought brought boris johnson down and i have to say having seen um, some of the, the 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 material that the rishi sunak camp sent me He's obviously been planning this for some time. He's coming up with a raft of policies which, in fairness, are well thought out. Uh, They're costed. You may not agree with them, but they have all the elements of something that you would normally put in a manifesto. That means Rishi Sunak has been planning this at least for months, possibly even years, and had to have a team to actually do it. Mm. So um, the, 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 the Tories are absolutely right. Rishi Sunak did actually plot to bring the Prime Minister down and was just waiting for the opportunity to do it.
1: could he just have taken some stuff off the desk when he left, though? You know, he had something that his, his guys in the Treasury were working for, and he going, I'll have that on my way out the door, like he's taking a yeah. stapler. I'll take a policy with me.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he put a few in his briefcase as he, as he walked out. Absolutely. Um, but no, this goes further than that. I mean, the kind of stuff he's coming up with really is incredibly detailed. So the only way I can see that you can come up with that is if you've been working on it in secret for some time before that, uh, and somewhere along the line there'll be a, it'll be revealed eventually. But there was a team of people there working on on Rishi's new policy. So the, the Tory members are absolutely right um, that this guy was plotting to stab the, the Prime Minister in the back. Uh, not a good image from uh, Nadine Doris, by the way, to actually put that out, uh, given what, what happened to David Amos. But mm. certainly uh, certainly, Rishi Sunak had, uh, has been preparing for this for quite some time. Yeah,
1: well, that's, that was a reference everyone to the fact that Nadine Doris uh, currently culture secretary um put, put tweets the picture of Rishi knifing Boris Johnson uh less than a year I believe since the knife attack that killed Tory MP David Amos so not a brilliant move especially from someone who's in charge of online safety so I have to wait and see how she responds to that one I expect it will be with belligerence, like she does everything else now uh thank you Nigel for explaining all that to us we do need to move on to uh some good news that we found in the world, even better than the lionesses. There is something even better and more good than that to share with you. And here it is. Well, actually, it's good news for everybody except me, um, who stopped playing sport at school when I was about 13, because I'd rather read a book instead. Um, Now, apparently, researchers have found out, uh, and this does seem to be a, a study from the University of the Bleeding Obvious, Uh, that playing sport at school makes people grittier, work harder, and it boosts your chances of achieving long-term goals the rest of your life, even as you get older and stop playing sport. So they found that it creates passion, perseverance, courage, endurance, psychological, physical um, ability to push through with things, all beneficial side effects of playing sport as a child. And you're more likely to be gritty if that's a way of defining anybody uh, than those who didn't play sport as a youngster. So Nigel, I suppose the question is, is this proof that if you play the game, then win or lose, you're always going to be a winner? What would you say?
0: Uh, Probably not always be a winner. What I do think, think that that sport does, it teaches you about uh, winning and losing, which obviously is what happens in later life. Now, um, I may not look at it now. (laughs) Speak yourself, Nigel. (laughs) I, I would, I was quite a nifty athlete at school. And I remember when I was 17, one of the bitterest disappointments that ever came up is that I was disqualified and lost the, the school athletics medal because I did a Chloe Kelly in the middle of a 400 metres and took my shirt off and that was a, that was against the rules at the time now um, the following year I won the medal easily but somehow it just didn't matter it was the time when I was 17 that's when I really 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 wanted it and that kind of became a sort of lesson for life so what I think is that's what school sport actually starts to teach you and yeah and then you may go on to play it recreationally or whatever after that if you fancy it um the fact that you gave up at 13 you may actually have missed out on something
1: I might have done, yeah. Or I might have gained from the books. I don't know. I did do school PE in that at school, but they got they got a point where you just you know opted for the cross country run and you went and sat out the back <laughs> with your mates and didn't actually run it very much at all. Um, so we have to wait and see, won't we? But I'm glad to hear that you decided to stop taking your shirt off, Nigel. It's a it's a blessing for all of us. Thank you very <laughs> much. Um, I'm sure Chloe Kelly could probably give you some pointers there. What was it that made you take it off when you're running a 400 meters? I mean, you would have had to slow down and create some drag. To do this, wouldn't you now?
0: Why? Uh, it, was, it was something I always did. I think it was an eccentricity that I quite quite liked. Uh, <laughs> what I forgot was there were amateur athletic association rules for school sports day, and doing it when, when you're in training and doing it actually on the track was not, not quite so clever. But no, I didn't slow down. I did win the race, but of course, got disqualified at the end of it. Yeah,
1: it's the criteria that matter. It's not just the doing it well. And as I say to a lot of my journalism students, you think now is the opportunity to write something beautiful and amazing and the best journalism you ever do, but I've got to mark it against these criteria. And If you don't meet those criteria, no matter how marvellous it is, I'm going to have to mark it down because that happened to me when I was doing my journalism exams a lot of years ago. <clears throat> I wrote something that was brilliant. I just kept getting failed for my NCE, Nigel, kept getting failed because I wasn't writing to the criteria, which was to be very, very boring. I had to write the most boring story in the world, then I pass because that was what the that's what the markers wanted. That's that's where you failed. Obviously, they wanted you to keep your top on, didn't they?
0: They certainly did.
1: <laughs> can't think why. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Nigel. Thank you everyone for taking part, and well done to the Lionesses. Now I think probably the mirror will be carrying some of the footage from the celebration at Trafalgar Square later on. So if you can't get there, like most of the country. Then do tune into the video pages and they'll have it on there for you, as well as, of course, the latest on the leadership race. I think we've got what? And it's another seven weeks till we get a new Prime Minister. But when do we know the results of the vote, Nigel? Uh,
0: you'll know the results on September the 5th. And yeah. then the new, the new Prime Minister will be doing Prime Minister's questions two days later. <laughs>
1: can't wait (laughs) um right moving forward then we've got a few weeks of freedom and then it starts all over again right everybody thank you for taking part we'll see you again on wednesday for another edition of the news agenda bye bye